Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. And here we go. It's time for Market View on a Friday with J.P. Ong standing by on the phone lines this hour. J.P., what is happening? What are you looking at with the uh, stock markets today? The markets are actually looking good and might be set to close the week out on a slightly better note, a sweet note of that. The Straits Times Index is in the green today, up by about 1% before we head into the weekend and also the last Friday of the first half of this very very tumultuous year. The Straits Times Index trading at 2,616. Yes, that's right. They are above 2,600 in today's session, up by 26 points. So we're seeing at least signs that investors here are trying to at least establish 2,600 as a form of a support level. Whenever you dip below that, it seems that they try to bring that up at the, at the moment. And the very good odds, at least, are there might, it might not be surprising to see the FTI end this first half of the year around this particular level, give or take a little bit of change. 2616 is where we're holding. But I have to highlight also the value turnover and appetite on the markets. Very, uh, I would say, very thin at the moment, quite, uh, quite tepid. It seems that investors are going on a bit of an investing diet. There's less than half a billion, half a billion Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands at this mm-hmm. point, like 477 million Singapore dollars to be exact. But across the broader main board and titles, it's a little bit more encouraging. There are more gainers than losers among the second and third liners when you take them into account. 230 stocks, 33 stocks, recent trusts that are in the green. There's about 130 that are in the red so far today. And when you uh, take that uh, against the rest of the region, well, there's mostly gains for the most part here. You've got the ASX 200 in Australia up by 1.5%. The Nikkei 225 also trading about 1.2% in the green. So Japanese stocks faring particularly well. Um, you do, uh, in most uh, greater Chinese markets continue to stay close to an observance of that Dragon Boat Festival holiday. So that's going to be a long, it's a fairly extended holiday period. So mainly Chinese markets still offline today. The Hang Seng also off, off at the moment also, uh, or the Hang Seng actually today um, seems to be, uh, let's see, just uh, falling in morning trading today. They have uh, started trading once again today, and the Hang Seng is down by about 150 points. Some are crediting this to profit-taking on Hong Kong stocks, especially on these new economy and tech stocks that have been surging or, or making up some much um, some impressive ground in the last couple of weeks. It seems the profit takers are trying to pocket in a little bit of cash before we end the first half. So the Hang Seng off to a, 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 a more challenging start, but they're down by about 150 points. The South Korean coffee today, though, is also trading about 1.2% in the green. So markets generally upbeat for the most part, I'd say. They are at least trying to end this first half on a good note. Now, they are also taking the off on the lead of Wall Street last night. The Dow, the S&P 500, and NASDAQ all ending in the green after the Federal Reserve decided to ease certain rules that actually allow banks now to invest more into venture capital funds in a way to sort of uh, take the handcuffs off them and the restrictions on what banks can can. Uh, can, can borrow and can can, uh, can invest in also, but they did also say that U.S. banks will have to hold off or they have to put a cap on dividends because they have to prioritize making sure their capital is used to shore up uh, support and relief efforts for a lot of these businesses in the U.S. that have been affected. But so far, the mood at least is decent, but I think markets are also keeping just a little bit of a, a wary eye on these continued rise of COVID-19 cases around the globe and how it's going to affect the outlook moving forward. But it seems that markets might be entering the second half on a more cautious but uh, slightly more optimistic uh, level. Of course, a lot of this can change if sentiment, which we've seen has been very sensitive in the recent times, uh, changes. 
All right. Uh, you are also tracking some uh, developments, of course, this Friday. First, uh, Singapore Airlines, uh, well, perhaps could take a market share from India, from Emirates and Etihad. How is this going to happen? Well, this is very interesting, right, Tim, because uh, this is arguably some, there's a strong case of this. Mm. The air, aviation space is the most heavily affected sector in the entire world by the COVID-19 outbreak. A lot of more than 90% of the fleet of SIA has been grounded. Emirates and Etihad have started to pare back and and uh, and, uh, and 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 minimize or, or shrink their fleets moving forward because they might expect less demand in the future. Now it's interesting because this could actually provide an opportunity to Singapore Airlines to grab a share of this Indian market. Now we have talked about how a lot of these big economies like India and Indonesia have these huge domestic travel markets within them and domestic airline sectors within there. So you're talking about about 1.3 billion people who are flying across India. Mm -hmm. This is also a very competitive space. You have not just the likes of Emirates and Etihad who have have, uh, significant market shares there, but you also have some of the local airlines in India that also have that. So Singapore Airlines has been trying to break into this, but now that you've seen the likes of Emirates and Etihad starting to pull back just a little bit and perhaps just seeing their market share wobble, this could create an opportunity for them to enlarge their market share amidst all of this chaotic downturn. So Singapore Airlines has a, has an, has a unit in the, in India called Vistara, which they Vistara, own yes. with Tata Group, as we, as we know. They're about to actually, and this is very interesting, they, amidst the downturn, amidst the people trying to pare back on their CapEx, they are in, in schedule to get their second Boeing 787 Dreamliner jet. Hmm. And they're expecting demand not actually for long-haul international travel to India. We've talked about the domestic market in India, but there's also a big, a growing international travel destination for business travelers and tourists alike. And they are betting that when the travel restrictions lift, you'll start to see a return of international travel to India um, by these business travelers, by these other um, international visitors who are coming from abroad. And they want to at least uh, take this opportunity and try to solidify their position before they enter this. Now, what is interesting also about this is that Singapore Airlines recently raised some much-needed cash to try and survive the COVID-19 pandemic. And one of the questions that shareholders raised up to Singapore Airlines is, why are you going to continue to provide some of these capex spends or try to uh, uh, or devote some of these funds to honoring some of these capital expenditure requirements, such as these new new planes, new fleets? Now, they're not buying all the planes. They've, they've it seems they've arranged, but they are sitting to some of their commitments, like the second Boeing 787 Dreamliner jet. And it seems that the, in Singapore Airlines' case, they want to preserve cash. But if there are opportunities to, to position themselves or create a bigger and more solid footprint in some of these key markets like India, which they've been trying so hard to break into and try to make even more inroads in, they're going to try and take it. But this is going to be very tricky for them to manage because, on one hand, they're trying to stay afloat. They're trying to at least um, stay alive and make sure there's enough cash there. But at the same time, they want to be able to take advantage of some of these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Is this the right move? on the part of Singapore Airlines. I think only their management and analysts can actually answer that. But it's interesting to see that Singapore Airlines might be in a position right now to take advantage of the woes that Emirates and Etihad are suffering from. But let's be honest, these are woes that even SIA is also suffering at the moment. So um, uh, we'll see We'll see what happens. This is going to create a shuffle, at least in one of the fastest-growing aviation markets in the world. Exactly. All right. There's something here that uh, intrigues me. Maybe you can explain to to me and to our listeners as well. Canada's rating downgrade may end up benefiting Singapore. How is that possible? I'm glad you asked this, actually, uh, Tim. So this is what happened. Yesterday, Fitch Ratings, which was one of the three major 
credit raters uh-huh. stripped uh, Canada of their AAA sovereign rating. So this is as good as it gets in terms of rating, which means you are top of the heap. You have the best sovereign rating and the best quality of debt, foreign bonds, and credit. Now, Fitch ratings brought Canada down to a AA+, which means it's still investment grade. It's still very high, but it's not exactly the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And they have cited it's because Canada, like many of these countries in the world, they've been pumping in a lot of fiscal stimulus to support their economies and uh, try and keep them afloat. But this means a lot of government spending and taking on a lot of government debt. Fitch ratings is projecting that Canada will have a debt-to-GDP ratio of 115%. That means for every dollar that Canada's GDP generates, you're going to have a dollar and 15 cents in terms of debt. So that's not uh, viewed as something. It's something that's manageable. A lot of countries actually have high debt-to-GDP levels, but it's not a preferred setting, and they don't think that Canada's going to be able to get out of this. So why might this actually benefit Singapore's debt? There are only a number of countries, actually, that have this grade A, triple A sovereign rating at the moment. And if you're a bond investor and you're looking at a portfolio of bonds and saying, look, I want to make sure that I have the most secure and have the highest quality bonds that I'm investing in because I don't want to lose investor money. I want to make sure that my money is going to fixed income that will be there and is solid. There's only a number of countries that you can really choose from now. And one of them happens to be Singapore. Singapore is part of that AAA rated group where S&P, Moody's, and Fitch have them at the highest grade level. So if I am a bond investor and I'm saying, okay, well, Canada just got downgraded, I might have to shift my portfolio out of Canada and look at some of these other AAA sovereign ratings. There's only a number of places to go to, Australia, Norway, and, for instance, Singapore. Mm -hmm. Now, why is Singapore so interesting? It's because Singapore, despite the fact that we're also trading at this AAA rating, there's also a significant yield differential between Singapore and U.S. Treasuries. There's a premium right now. So if I'm a bond investor, not only am I investing in a bond that has a high credit rating, I'm also getting just a little bit more yield, a little bit more coupon, a little bit more interest rates, a handful of basis points over these preferred U.S. Treasuries if I invest in Singapore. And this could actually be good news for the government here. Mm. You know, talk about a government that spent so much to support this economy in Singapore. That's that, that you know that doesn't come cheap. And though we we are, uh, Singapore has the massive reserves to spend on this fiscal stimulus, I'm sure that the authorities are looking around, going, "Geez, can we ta- uh, do we have any other options in case we have to unleash more stimulus? In case we have to raise more funds?" Well, this development could actually create an opportunity for Singapore in the future to maybe even go into the bond market and increase some of those. Uh, some of this debt and issue more bonds to try and finance additional stimulus later on. It's just an option. We're not saying that Singapore is going to do it. Mm-hmm. But it does create a, a favorable environment, at least on their part, because there are going to be bond investors who are going to try and scour for better quality credit. There. And Singapore has it. It's a question now if the monetary authorities think it's necessary at the moment. All right. One of the things that have uh, surprised me during this COVID-19 pandemic time that we're living in right now is that all these uh, tech companies are still launching new products uh, continuously on schedule without the big events that we are used to that I used to attend, but they're still doing it. It puzzles me why, because people can't really go and look at your your new product yet. But uh, Creative Technology also launching uh, something very unique here, a USB-C headphone. Uh, let's do this. Why don't you be the tech person and tell me about this? <laughs> This is very odd because I usually defer to you when it comes to tech issues, Tim. But okay, let me give it a stab. Creative Technology announced the launch of a, of a new wireless headphone. It's a USB-C in-ear headphone using their XX 
SXFI Trio um, technology. It's implemented with the Super XFi Gen 2 technology, which they say creates an all-around audio experience. Um, it's uh, basically, they are likening it to a 3D experience for your ears. I'm not sure exactly how that, uh, how that uh, pans out or how mm-hmm. that plays out, but nevertheless, what they're saying is this, uh, the quality, the audio quality in this technology is at another level. If you recall earlier this year at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, Super X5, when it was actually launched by Creative Technology, it bagged, I believe, five or six awards at a global okay. electronics show saying that this is actually a big deal. Now, they are ruling this out at the moment because, well, why are technology companies still still uh, moving forward? Well, it's be- well, it could also be because a lot of these uh, products have been in the pipeline for quite a while. And, and they've already been manufactured, like, actually. They're just, it, you know. Exactly. They've all been manufactured. You might as well take advantage of it. Now it's just a question of, well, how do I, manu- how do I, how do I market it properly because I am hampered from displaying or demonstrating it in-house or in person, how do I do this properly in a virtual setting or an online setting? So these are the, con- con- the considerations they have, but nevertheless, they want to move forward with this also because creative technology also has shown that there is strong demand or potential strong demand for this technology. Mm-hmm. If you remember earlier this month, actually, sh- creative technology shares hit their highest levels in about a year after they announced that they are going to launch and, and distribute and sell their Super X5 products out in China, and they were going to do this via live streaming. So I'm not sure exactly how that actually uh, how that actually worked out for them. It was a success or a failure. But nevertheless, that was enough to drive um, uh, interest towards creative because they are launching this top-of-the-line technology and earphones in mainland China, in one of the biggest consumer markets, if not the biggest consumer electronics market in the world now. And uh, there, there was a lot of upside for that. Now, imagine it, they're actually saying that we're now launching a new product with a slightly upgraded technology also, um, that, could, that could also create a new inroads for creative technology and the demand is there. Keep in mind that uh, as we continue to work from home, as people are continuing to try and find better audio solutions to hold their, video, their audio or video calls also, they're going to be on the hunt also for some of these premium technologies that will provide them um, a superior audio, audio experience to make sure that their calls and their ability to listen in and, and participate in calls is not hampered. Exactly. So creative technology just could be, uh, could be just them saying, you know what, we're not going to stop pandemic or not, and hopefully the markets like it, but there is a track record that the markets do. All right, that sounds good. All right, JP, very quickly, uh, we are going to the bottom of the hour with the news very quickly. Tell us what's on for tonight on Primetime. Well, Friday is always Forex Fridays, uh, and we are going to take uh, you know, uh, the stock of the week that was, and actually the, the first of the semester that was for the for, for 2020. Vishnu Varathan, mm-hmm. who's the head of economics and Forex strategy at Mizuho Bank, will be joining us later on. And we're going to also be talking about the, uh, the prospect of the Singapore dollar, these uh, safe haven funds that actually benefited, and also asking him, What's the, what's the currency he's watching out for as we head into the second half of the year? All right, JP, thank you very much. Forex Fridays on Primetime with JP Ong later on. Stay tuned for that. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.